Shattered again. Listen to the shatter. Okay, that was the last room. We just passed through because personal podcasting history has just been broken again. Because today I get to talk for the first time with the lovely lady who's been the leading lady in all the movies I've been writing in the past couple of years, which include Righteous Blood, Michael Pare, Michael Pare again in The Vampire and the Vigilante in The Legend of Whores. She is the lovely, the talented Emily Whitcomb. Uh, Emily, as I said, it is, um, it's very rare that you meet someone and you go, I've seen you before, but I don't really know who you are. I'm excellent. I'm just so happy to be here with you, and I'm excited to get to know you. <laughs> it's about yeah. time. Well, let's, let's, let's dive in, shall we? I'm, <laughs> I'm particularly curious because there's one of our, uh, the films that we've collaborated on that, that, that I haven't seen yet. So I was mm. kind of interested to start with, with that one, if it, if it's not too too jarring jumping into the middle instead of the beginning perfect but uh i'm very interested to know a little bit about behind the scenes of the, the vampire and the vigilante which i i wrote many drafts of and uh have never have not seen it has i don't know if it's been released there in the states yet but uh yeah tell us a little bit about uh about that one i'm very curious so that one um i want to say was my favorite just because I had, I wasn't Righteous Blood where I was new on set and kind of nervous and didn't know what was expected. Um, but I had already worked with Michael Paré um, yeah. and Renee and, and all the cast and the crew. And so I was familiar. It was nice. It felt more homey, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, I mean, what girl doesn't want to be a vampire? So, I mean, what person doesn't want to be a vampire? <laughs> so um, we had like the fake teeth, which was a whole thing. Um, because I was living in Pennsylvania and the film was out in California. So I was constantly, um, sending pictures to, um, Joseph. You probably know Joseph, right? Yes. Yes. Perfect. So, um, so Joseph, um, and Renee, who obviously, you know, and I'm saying, does this match my teeth? Does this match? Right. right. Because you get them and they're pure white. And unless you really, really whiten your teeth, they're never going to match. So it made my teeth look super yellow and gross. Um, So I actually had to paint them with nail polish until I got a semi-matching color. And I'm still not even sure if that was the right color, but it worked better than what they were, (laughs) what they originally came as. Too bad they Uh, didn't have that that black toothpaste that's going around the internet that I see. Oh, yeah, that like charcoal base. Yeah, it especially makes your teeth look ridiculously you know like they've never been touched by human hands Um, right right yeah we should have looked into that i didn't think about that at the time though (laughs) but uh no look look the the perils of being a vampire is getting your fangs right um right (laughs) after all they are after they are the source of your life i mean you can't do much uh neck sucking or 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 anything like without them but yeah. Uh, yeah, I I mean I I have uh, I have great memories of, of of writing that script, so I'm very curious eventually um, to see how it all turns out in the wash. But yeah, uh, yeah but I haven't uh, I haven't seen oh, well, obviously the trailer came out and stuff like that. But uh, right. But uh, yeah, it's still uh, it's still a, an unknown quantity. But it looked I mean the the. Uh, I don't know if you got to see any of the the castle and and those sort of stuff that Renee went to the uh, 
the castle that he had there in the movie and stuff like that. Did you see any of that? Were you in any of those scenes? Or so I wasn't you... in any of those scenes, but Emily Turner was the um, the other actress in those scenes, along with Eric. I'm going to forget Eric's last name. I'm so sorry, Eric. I know you're awesome. Um, but <laughs> um, Emily and Eric were doing that, mm. and it was just stunning. I'm so jealous that I wasn't there. Mm. But um, it sounds like the owner is really a great guy and was happy to have it in the film. Mm. And the costumes were amazing. And mm. I just like being able to have something like that, I think just brings a whole other level to to a B movie. Right. Because you don't expect that level of of set work. <laughs> so I loved it and I was very jealous. Everything he shot there was beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, and this looked some beautiful locations in and around where you filmed all of these movies. Uh, let's jump jump back uh, to the beginning with Righteous Blood. That was a um, that was a bit of a surprise, actually. I mean, because it was the uh, the year of the pandemic and everything uh, came to a grinding halt. I thought, well, that was it because Renny and I had been um, working on some scripts, and we were actually in the middle of writing something else when. Uh, I think it was more a thriller. And in the middle of that, Renee says, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. This has got to be a Western. <laughs> How quick did you change this? I mean, I, I I became an asset to Renee because I can write scripts really fast. Yeah. Really fast. So literally, <laughs> um, I, I literally got the job working with him uh, with the first scripts uh, because he wouldn't really read any of my originals. He was more like, well, I just want to see what you can do. So he gave me a story and I said, well, okay, when would you like the script? Like Monday? This is Friday. I said, would, oh you, like, I said, would you like the script by Monday? And he said, can you give it to me by Monday? I said, well, yeah. <laughs> that is a talent. And he said, if you can do that, you've got the job. And I said, okay. Yeah. So I did. Now, that particular horror film we didn't end up doing, like I said, we started another action movie, which eventually morphed into a movie that was called Duel with the Devil, which eventually became Righteous Blood. Um, So, yeah, Righteous Blood was written written in a fury. Of course, the pandemic stopped everything, and then that was the first film out of the gate, um, which was really, really... Uh, surprising. I didn't expect uh, Michael Paré and all that, and uh, yourself to uh, to do it so well. And I mean, it was it looked really simple on the page, but really the life of it came from from all of you in it. Because uh, as much as I can put stuff down there, the essence has to come uh, from great actors like yourself, and you certainly embodied those characters. What was it like shooting Righteous Blood? Well, first of all, don't undermine yourself too much because we had to go off of what you had on the page because it was so beautiful and it was so beautifully written and there was direction there and there was character development. I mean, I didn't have to do a whole lot with Charlotte. Um, it was it was all kind of there. I just kind of went through and I was like, oh, great. That's a great nugget right there. Okay, let me take that. Okay, well, let me take this too. Um, but shooting Righteous Blood was interesting because we had had a virtual table read. Right. Um, gosh, I want to say like very early 2020, like you said, like around when the pandemic was really shutting things down. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and we didn't shoot it until the summer mm. and we were only going to shoot for, th- or I was only um, scheduled to shoot for three weeks. Right. And so I was like, Oh, this is very fast. I, I'm excited because it means we're going to be efficient with our time, which I'm a very, I like to be very efficient, <laughs> you know, don't bring me out and then have me sit around for five days. <laughs> um, but that's actually what turned into me being part of the crew as well, because there were some days were down days. And because I flew, I didn't have a car. And I was mm. like, well, can I just help on set? Like, can I right. hold, you know, something? Can I hold a reflector? Can I learn something? Um, so that ended up being duly helpful for me because right. I got to learn more skills. But um, everyone came onto set. They were prepared. Everyone right. knew their lines. They knew their character inside and out. Um Thankfully, no one was method acting, so you could smile with them and then five minutes later be shooting a, a very serious scene. Yeah, yeah. And I I got to watch Michael and um, Gordon yeah. uh, shoot some of their scenes. And Gordon is the, the mentally challenged child in the movie. Mm. And he was so talented. He, he didn't have any... He had one line. Sorry, he had one line. Mm. And... It was just amazing to see his body language. And Michael Pare is obviously a legend. Mm. So watching him interact with him mm. as someone that is supposed to be kind of held back and reverent, but finds this compassion somewhere. Mm. Um, and it won't give away too much of the movie, but just being on set was magical because mm. I had never been anywhere with people who cared that much. Mm. Um a lot of things I did in the past were kind of, oh, like we're getting paid in pizza. It doesn't really matter. Mm. Um, and, and not that the passion wasn't still there, mm. but in, in here it was turned up tenfold mm. because this was a real job for people, right? Like we were being paid. <laughs> right, yeah. And just that level of professionalism. And yeah. gosh, the things I learned from Michael Paré were limitless. He would just come over to me and he'd go, you know, like, have you thought about what your character would think about this mm-hmm. or what she, like how she would react to this. Mm-hmm. And it just gave me so much feedback to work on and to implement into my performance that it was invaluable. Um, mm-hmm. So then of course, when I got to work with him again, I was like, give me more, give me more. <laughs> All the feedback you can. <laughs> I know it's, it's look, it's gotta be, it's gotta be great to sit with, sit down or actually work alongside people that have, such a wealth of not just because they've had a long career but a wealth of experience and if they are able to impart that in a way that is is uh helpful and and easy to 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 digest i suppose is a good word but it's uh, especially from in this industry like you say is invaluable because anything that they have to say, whether it be a simple point of like, oh, you know, if, if you're going to sit at that angle, the camera might, you know, sit, put your head this way, or you know, um, right. if you're going to, if you, you know, you probably should have a mark down there if you really want to stop there because you know it might pull the focus and blah 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 and so on and so forth. So it's um, it's always probably the great, uh, how should we say, cheat code when you've got real professional sitting next to the table and who can secretly sort of just, you know, give you like little tips, not so much tell you how to act, but, you know, make the whole thing a little bit more smoother because their smoothness comes from having done it for like so many years. Like we, we look at it and go, geez, they're a pro. Well, yeah, he's been doing it for 30 years. So, right, right. Uh, 
It's like I, I met a, a sculptor who does maquettes and stuff for movies. And I said, man, you're a really good sculptor. And he goes, well, man, I've been doing it for 40 years. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's to him, it's nothing because he wakes up, he's been doing it for so long. But, mm -hmm. um, no, and that's not to say that uh, any actors below that are lesser, you know, they just don't have the same shorthand that someone who's been doing it longer has. And so, and so in your in your case, and anyone's case, we've got to act in these films alongside people like Richard Tyson and Michael Paré and all that, you've got nothing but a treasure trove. I mean, not just really great stories, obviously, that they could tell you from uh, films that you've seen them in, but also the great uh, tricks of the trade. Some magicians don't give them up, but some are very generous. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's good to hear that Michael was very forthcoming on the uh, what it takes to uh, to become a legend. <laughs> like, oh, absolutely. His whole mindset was, this is a collaboration, right? Like, it's not me competing against you. The movie's quality will be better the more we collaborate. Mm. And him giving me all those tips and tricks makes me look good, <laughs> but also makes the whole movie look good, makes him look good. So in turn, it was like one big family, and it was a lot of collaboration. And he was, because he is a pro, he was a bit bolder than I was. So when he right. would see something or, um, you know, an action wouldn't quite work, he would bring it up. He'd go, you know, I really don't think he would do that. Or I really don't think that this is something that is meaningful for his character. Mm. And I, I would sit back and I go, are you going to? Are you going to say that out loud to people that are paying you? Okay. And it kind of it gave me a voice a little bit too because I was saying, yeah, you know, some of these things, like, would we do this? Mm. Um, and then they could give me feedback, right? Like, well, yes, because here's why. And then I just got more information. Right. So it was nice to be in that collaborative environment. And Michael, Michael mm. Paré was very forthcoming with all of it because his goal was to make it the best it could be. <laughs> I have I have a secret from the from the screenwriting the the role that you have um, right before you leave Michael before he deals with a a very nasty man trying to uh, have his way um, mm -hmm. that line was actually came from my wife when when Emily gives her last request you know is mm -hmm. there <laughs> shoot him in the yep <laughs> that's my wife's line. Oh, I love that. Oh, please tell your wife I said thank you because that was one of my favorite ones. <laughs> my wife's line and and uh, the young boy, uh, well, obviously the the uh, Joseph's character becomes Elijah because I wanted the little boy to be named after my son, Elijah. So that's, he's, you know. Oh, I love that. And my son's autistic too. So that scene where you're sitting, he likes to have his arm stroked. That's all. That's all real. That's that's all drawn from from my life. So that's um Oh, that's awesome. That's wonderful. That was one of the tidbits where I was like, Oh, this is juicy. This is good. That was awesome. So, um it's it's it was something very, very dear to me. So I managed to get a lot of uh a lot of uh for for such a small film and, and <laughs> what people would regard as a a B film, I tried to put a lot of uh I tried to I always try to put a lot of heart into these uh things because just because uh, as i say just because the movie's cheap doesn't mean it, it has to be anything less than fantastic i mean uh, the budget of the right. film, the budget of the film should never uh define the ingenuity of its ideas or its intentions 
I think. Totally. And you can tell, even though you're a fast script writer, mm. I don't, I couldn't tell that from mm. reading it. Everything was in there. Everything was thought out. It was meticulous. It was planned. Like I said, it was juicy. Um, there was life in it. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that it's actually part of your life because that makes it all the more personal to me. Um, and I, I love that. Yeah, you can totally tell in all of your scripts that it comes from life. You've, mm. you've breathed life into it. <laughs> you. I wish you were the head of a major studio who... <laughs> me too. Maybe someday. <laughs> and then I'll be like, well, the writing is so fantastic. on everything. <laughs> you give you a million dollar contract every year right. to the end of your days. Oh, right, right, exactly. Oh, geez. Give me five minutes to think about it, would you? <laughs> um, but uh, let's move on to uh, to the other one, the other one that's uh, come out, The Legend of Oz. Now, this was um, this was really great to see. I have to say, uh, this was the only, this was the one, and I was talking to Mike Markoff, your co-star and leading man in this one not long ago, and uh, I said this was the one that Rene actually gave me one of the greatest compliments that he did uh, during my time writing with him. And uh, that was, um, he asked me, I need a good introduction for the hero. And uh, I was actually, um, I was working for a newspaper at the time and I was sitting in court because I was a court reporter. Uh, but I had time before the judge came out. And so that's where I wrote the scene where Hawes is already, uh, you know, the classic joke is two drunks walk into a bar, right? So I thought, what if the gunfighter is the drunk in the bar? And no one suspects him to be the legend that uh, that he will become. And uh, when I finished that scene, Rene said it was. He sounded gruff at first. He's like, "Oh, now I'm going to have to go and find a saloon because I really have to shoot this." <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Because exactly. It's, it's very hard when you're nine thousand miles away to say, "Well, okay, is he going to have a saloon? Can he have this?" You know, I mean, he does. He was very good at, at giving me sometimes the bare bones of what he had access to, but there was a lot that he couldn't foresee or foretell or give me. So it's a Western. They had saloons. There were many great scenes that happened in saloons, so I put it in a saloon. So I apologise to him for having to go to the way to find it. But I think, and, and Mike, certainly, uh, Mike certainly really loved the scene and... Uh, and all that, but um, the only thing I was I was a little bit uh, sort of I, I, it didn't play as well as I hoped was the running gag that every man that was with you was your husband was mistaken. Oh, right. <laughs> that was meant to be like a running like I hoped it would have played better because it was meant to be like one of those John Carpenter things when they Snake Plissken. I thought you were dead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to do that whole thing like. Every man, you know, is that your, you know, even the first guy who rides up, is that your husband? You got buried there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. And I'm like, no, please leave me yeah. alone. Then Stop. you go into the office, let your husband deal with it. That's not my. Thank you for your baseless assumption on my marital status. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. But that saloon scene was actually super fun to, to shoot. Mm. Um, so I am glad that you put it in and mm. that we ended up being able to find a um, a location. And it ended up being like a train location. Okay. Yeah. A train hotel thing. All right, uh, yeah. That had a diner car 
um, available. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. oh my gosh, when he shot the the shot glass mm. out of his hand, yeah. um, a little fun like behind the scenes thing yeah. was that we tied fishing line to the shot glass. Aha, right. And it was my job to pull it at the I'm right time. Yeah. And I was so freaking nervous that I was going to pull it because when you pull, it doesn't necessarily come straight towards you. It could go up, it could go down. And there was a lot of fragile things in that, in that car. And so I just kept thinking, all right, if you hit me in the nose, it'll be fine. If you hit me in the nose, it'll be fine. (laughs) But it was beautiful. It was such a beautiful scene because you're right. No one suspects Mike and, and he plays such a good everything but especially a drunk. And then you have Richard Tyson in this really, you know, beefy protector role. And I was like, yeah, that's what I hired you for, man. Go throw, go throw him out. Like, let's find this guy. We're on a mission. Go be the muscle. And he was. Mm. Um, And Karen, I think was in that scene as well. Um, And she died a year ago. Oh, I believe. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that scene because her and I have a little bit of girl power. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I, I remember She's that on the horse and she's speaking in a different language. And she's saying, like, this dude smells like, yeah. Right. <laughs> that was awesome. And she, of course, she can speak, I think maybe, or she, she could speak, I think, up to five languages. Wow. Um, and so for her to just roll those off the tongue, and, I mean, it was it was awesome. <laughs> it was a lot more, it, it, it was a lot more expansive it turned out visually because those um, those uh, locations, like for instance, the uh, the massive scene. One of Mike's favorite scenes, as he was saying to me, was down by that uh, uh, a lake. Was it a lake? And the ground is looks like it's all granite, rocky, and you're lying there. Him and you are lying there. And initially, his head's in your lap, and he wakes up. He said that that's a beautiful that's a beautiful sequence there. A beautiful you know, the waterfalls and all that sort of stuff. Really magical, oh, yeah. magical scenery. What was it like to sort of sit in the middle of that rather than, oh I my mean, gosh. not just film in it, but sort of that's your workspace for the day. Yeah. So I um, am someone who grew up next to a state forest on a I, farm. Right. And so I love trees. I love water. Um, the city is not my thing. I hate New York City. I hate Los Angeles. I hate all of it. So I try to be as close to I can to trees um, as possible. And so just being there, seeing the beauty, I'd never been to California prior to working with Renee. Mm. And so, and especially Northern California is very different than Southern California. And Northern California is like beautiful greenery and this waterfalls and this natural scape. That's just, I couldn't find it anywhere else, mm. right? Like this untouched beauty. And it it was really cool to sit in it and to mm. just be surrounded by it because it takes time for Renee to set up the shot. And mm. it takes time for us to get like out of our sneakers into our boots. Um, and for that particular location, we had to walk, may, like not too far, maybe like half a mile on railroad tracks um, and then kind of, skirt down and and get to that location specifically the one where we're crossing the river Mm. was hilarious i don't know if mike talked about this he might be like too much of a macho man but i am not so i will talk about it okay because it was it was 
deep. You mean, you mean the scenes where it's like a montage where you're you're journeying, you're going across, trying to crawl across those logs across a, yeah. Right, exactly. It was deep. And Renee looked at us and he goes, do not fall in the water. Do not fall in the water. Because if you get your hair wet, it'll ruin, right, like the last, the rest of the sequence. Right, yeah. Or your hair is not wet that we've already shot. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I got this. I got this. Let me just go across. Crossing so raging Christ- rivers is my specialty. Right, right, exactly. So I think I'm all tough. And Mike tries to go across first and Mike turns around. He goes, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. It's too hard. And I'm like, city boy, let me show you how it's done. (laughs) I go the whole way across and I get there. And the moment I go to come back across, right, because you have to get to the other side for him to start filming, you crossing back to him. Right. And so I'm on the other side. I take like five steps and I completely go under. (laughs) <laughs> completely head soaked I'm like holding on to a rock as I'm like drifting past them <laughs> and and, I, and I'm like keep filming keep filming because <laughs> I'm like you know I'm not going to do this again so if I can just get this one shot and eventually because I guess it was because my skirt was so low it kind of acted like a sail oh, and all the rushing water was pulling me and right. it was all in my boots and heavy um, and heavy, super heavy, because it was like that wool material. Yeah. And so I get the whole way across, and Renee's like, all right, if I'm going to keep filming, you have to look at me. You can't keep looking down and stumbling. And right. I'm like, okay. And so you can see in the actual, in the final cut of the movie, where I'm yeah. trying to keep eye contact with, like, some wall over there. Right, and right. And I just keep going down. Um, and Mike's heroic shot, where he actually bathes all in right, the waterfall. Yeah. Yeah. He had to get up on this crazy rock that was surrounded by other really sharp rocks. Right. And Renee kind of looked at him and he goes, okay, like if if you want to do this, we'll shoot it. But I'm just saying it's very slippery and at your own risk. And Mike was like, oh, I can do it. And he did. And it it turned out awesome. It's like one of the coolest shots in the movie. Just him being rebirthed under the waterfall and coming out heroic instead of cowardly. Yeah, rejuvenation, yeah. But I've got to say, mountain water's usually cold. Wasn't it cold? Oh, it's so cold. It was freezing. (laughs) Freezing. It was so cold. Especially when you go completely under, there's this shock that happens. So all the air went out of me, and I was like, ooh, I can't. And so in some of the scenes, you can see my fingers are blue. Um, It was so worth it. (laughs) I just admired the stalwart nature because, as you say, your face is projecting or you're you're acting, you're in character. (laughs) I, I, I don't know. I would probably break character the moment my feet stepped into water that was a lot colder than the air around me and just go, you know. Right. Well, being one of the only girls on set, like you kind of have to keep up the toughness of the guys, right? Or even, you know, exceed it. And so yeah. I felt it and I was like, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, this is cold. Okay, but you can't, mm-hmm. we're not going to girl out now. And actually the vampire movie was worse because right. we were in this like moss canyon. I was in like a spaghetti strap dress. Right. Um, and these little flats that didn't fit my feet. <laughs> and so I was running, running through this cold water. And at one point I lean over right. into the water and I'm supposed to like wash my neck. All right, yeah. And yeah, yeah. that was cold. That was very yeah. cold. I know this. So I don't mind it too much, but I won't be in it for very long. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I I, I... I give you credit for not only getting in it, but uh, then when you have to get out, your costume is in fact soaked. Now you're standing in the wind in wet clothes. So yeah, it's um, 
it's dedication that few, mm-hmm. as they say, many are called and few are chosen. So <laughs> right. when they ask you if you can swim and ride a horse, you say, yes. <laughs> yes. And I will do a huge shout out to um, Yaritza, who is Renee's wife, and um, Nic- Nicolette, or uh, I think her name is Nicolette Hawes, um, yeah. because they did all of our laundry after that oh. scene. Right. <laughs> everything was just soaked and it was getting um what's that word like when things start to like a moldy almost right yeah. um so we're like can you wash this and they were like oh my gosh of course you know because they've been in that industry for a long time so Yaritza has to put up with so much <laughs> I, I can only, I can only imagine Rene told me about the uh, his house is full of of guns and knives and severed heads and he has a collection of props he says most of the house is filled with props i said how does your wife feel about that <laughs> right you know? right sorry we're trying to cook dinner dear. can you move the ak-47 off <laughs> the kitchen counter right the severed head yeah, yeah. with blood all over can, we, the- <laughs> can i use the fruit bowl instead of using it for the zombie heads or, or, or whatever? <laughs> right right it's probably great for halloween though well look look tis tis the season so having a, a fruit bowl fruit bowl full of severed heads would probably be seen as a decoration over there at some point. Right, right. <laughs> certainly around October 31st. Mm-hmm. Any other time of the year, it'll be certainly a talking point for anyone who comes else into the kitchen. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Put it on a stake so, in the front yard. Beware. <laughs> severed head in that fruit bowl. Right. <laughs> as a matter of it is. Don't worry, it's yeah. my don't worry, he's made of rubber. He went. <laughs> Love it. He's just as inanimate as every other zombie. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. But uh, you know, but it look, it's um, it's been fantastic to talk with you, Emily. It's been really interesting to to learn um, to to learn, and also to personally to to thank you for giving. In all cases, except for the one I haven't seen, um, but I'm I'm sure that you. Uh, the trifecta is solid, really solid. Well, I just want to thank you for being the life force behind all of this, because without you, none of this would have happened. I don't care what anyone says or anyone tells you. And I know you self-deprecate a lot, so don't do that. You're valuable and your work is amazing. And it was literally the honor of my life to act it out oh, wow. to this day, the honor of my life. And, oh. and it'll probably be until the rest of my days. So please take that to heart and know that I am so thankful and I don't normally speak for everyone else on set, but I will because we talked about it. Everyone thanks you. Everyone appreciates you and everyone values your work. It was incredible. Well, look, you just made my, you made my day. You made my week. You made my life. Thank you. You made my life. (laughs) That's very, 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 very kind of you. Um, because, you know, as you know, in Hollywood, the writer is, is, um, is not, you know, he's not the most famous and he's, uh, not the most appreciated the best of the times and has to strike when, uh, when things don't really go his way, but yeah. it's very, it's very heartening and it, and it does one's soul a lot of good to know that one's work, not just the writer, but everyone on the set, that everyone's work is appreciated, accepted and embraced and uh look doesn't it make for a better movie 
It does. It does. Absolutely. Like you, said, like you said at the beginning, when everyone is invested, because essentially all we're doing is something that we used to do when we were little kids, and that's play make-believe. Mm-hmm. Now we're doing it for money and for a lot more people to watch than just our parents. Right. Oh, I love that. Yes. And it's healing too, right? Like yeah. the more emotions you can bring out, it's cathartic for sure. Yeah. Totally. I mean, the, the, the catharsis element of, of, of the business is, I think, a great law for anyone. I mean, not just filmmaking, but any type of art form, because you are, we are in so many ways, or is it's human nature to want to express ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I certainly believe that for that reason, art forms like cinema, books, as much as the technology and the delivery system for which they will change, I don't think the 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 act itself will change because we all have a need to chronicle the things that we do so we don't forget. Mainly because, you know, let's face it, life's kind of like a movie. We have seen the whole thing, but it's the moments that we remember. You know, yes. Like how many, I love that. How many times have you been to a movie, right? And you say, "Oh, geez, that was a great movie," but you know, my favorite bit was whatever. You know, and it's usually oh. it's usually prevalent in in a lot of people's film discussions. Like they'll talk, "Oh, geez, that was a great film." Blah 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 blah. But the scene that really got me going right so it's it's a little bit like jimmy stewart said to peter bogdanovich you know when you uh you know if you uh if you uh if you have uh talent and god helps you and if you do it right what you're giving people is little tiny pieces of time that they'll mm. never and isn't that yeah. the definition of movies oh my gosh i might write that down and hang that up on my wall that was beautiful so profound too mm-hmm. little tiny pieces of time because you think about it some people have memories of movies that are stronger than the memories they have of like real stuff right that they've done like we 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 are so blind sometimes to the the beauty of the moment until it's part, mm. you know. Right. Like that old saying, yeah, you don't know what you have until you lost it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And it's been beautiful to share this conversation and these wonderful cinematic moments with my first leading lady, Emily Whitcomb. <laughs> Great to talk to you. Also with you. <laughs> and, look, I look forward to uh, – have you got have you got anything more on the way? I mean, after all this, uh, after all this calamity in Hollywood, is there more Emily Whitcomb coming to the uh, the screens around the world? I hope so. Um, we had something lined up before the strike. Obviously, with the strike going on, can't mm. work. Um, I think on anything but commercials, which is not really my forte. Um, <laughs> but yeah, hopefully something soon. And if not, I'll just keep you know, doing stuff in my little room to myself and that's good enough for me. <laughs> well, look, I hope I hope whatever you've got coming up and anything you have asked planned is uh, nothing but successful. And, and I you too. And I know much. it will be. <laughs> uh, 
I thank you very, very much for this opportunity and your time this morning. The great Emily Whitcomb, you can check her out in the legend of Oz and Righteous Blood, which are out at the moment, and hopefully when it is released, and I'm just as excited to see this too, is The Vampire and the Vigilante, where she gets to play a vampire. The vampire. Which will be exciting. Emily's been my guest on Cinema Yugen. 